0: Hey guys, this is Scott from Game Time CT. Before we get started tonight, I just want to mention to you to head over to iTunes and please search for Game Time CT on there, then subscribe, rate, and review. You can go ahead and pause the show right now, go over, give us a subscription, give us a rating, give us a review if you're so inclined. Then come back and listen to the show. Uh, we really need you to do this so that we can keep giving you these podcasts and keep providing you with the sports coverage that we are providing you with. So go over there, go to iTunes, find Game Time CT, rate, review, subscribe. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to Just for Kicks on Game Time CT. This is your place for boys and girls soccer in the state of Connecticut. I am Scott Erickson, the boys soccer beat writer for Game Time CT, and we are joined, as always, by Joe Morelli, the girls soccer beat writer. Joe, good morning.
1: Good morning. How are you, Scott?
0: I'm doing well. Hi, this, this has been great uh, Great soccer weather, huh?
1: Well, like I said last week, the fall is a great time. It's The weather is just much better. And, uh, I mean, it sounds like for the long-term forecast, we're going to get nice warm weather uh, into October. So that's really good news for soccer fans.
0: Let's avoid some hurricanes and then we, and avoid the snow that we had last year. Was it, it, it snow the end of October, beginning of November? There was snow on the
1: field during the state tournament. That's all I know. Well, I think it was no. It was the state final, and they, if you remember, they moved um, the finals to Sunday from Saturday because they weren't sure if they were going to be able to clear the fields in time. And it was a cold day, if I remember, I think, in, on that Sunday. But it ended up working going, out. Yeah. So um, it seems like there's always some kind of snow impacting something in the fall. As long as it's not a hurricane, we're good. <laughs> uh, we are going to be
0: joined in a little bit by Glastonbury coach Mark Landers. Uh, Glastonbury is off to an amazing start, 4-0. and They've outscored their opponents 24-1. to I went up and saw Glastonbury play Farmington last week. Uh, they looked like they were in postseason form. I don't know. We're going to ask the coach. We're going to try to fight, figure out what they do at Glastonbury that has sustained their success so well because it's really incredible. And it's not just the boys' side. It's the girls' side, too. The girls have had almost as much success
1: as the boys, haven't they? Yeah, they've had their share of state championships. Obviously, Double L, as we've mentioned, is the, the home of the FCAC, but uh, Glastonbury is usually right there. semi last year. So, and I, expected, I would imagine the same again, and they are obviously the the odds on favor in the CCC.
0: Uh, so we offered up the mailbag last week, and we got – six responses um only a couple questions we got a few comments we had some people send us some video uh, i just want to say if you have stuff that's for the play uh the fine performances best top performers of the week dm those to me or joe on twitter or send them to our emails because uh, sometimes in the mailbag we don't look at the mailbag until we've already done the players of the week and all and all those top performers and there was a couple that were thrown in there so that's your message for that but uh, i just want to turn it over to pete who has our mailbag open Peter, what is the first question uh, that came through?
2: First off, good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Pete. It's always nice to see you guys. Joe, say good morning to Pete. (laughs) Good morning, Pete. (laughs) (laughs) The the first question um, is, why do high school programs run two-person teams for officiating during the regular season, but then during the postseason they go to three?
0: That's a numbers issue. I mean, they don't have enough referees to have three on the field. Someone was asking me that uh, at a game I was at the other day. They said they thought there was always three, and there's three during the playoffs. There's two linesmen and then one person in the center. Uh, during
1: the season, it's just two, but I, I don't think it's anything more than they don't have enough refs. Right? That's what I would guess, and I guess it's the same thing for basketball. And The question is, is two enough to do a game? I don't know. I don't think one guy can see the entire field. because it it's, it's more hectic than even basketball. You're going back and forth, the ball's going to the field. I think, you think you're going to miss things. But if that's the number. That's the number, and that's what you deal with. I think the place where that comes into play the most is offsides. Uh, sometimes the officials just
0: aren't back. And whereas if you had a lineman that was that was dedicated to really watching that, that's the one thing that the guys at the flags are doing. That they're watching the sidelines, but they're watching offsides. That's the thing I see missed the most um, and miscalled the most. I don't. I don't know if you see that too. Just offsides
1: gets miscalled so many times. I yeah. You know, sometimes it's still. <laughs> I find it interesting how. It was, the ball's got to be in before the person, obviously. It's, right, it's but, a bang, bang call. Right. Not? And I think people do get it wrong. Sometimes it's hard to see with the naked eye. You yeah, You make a is. judgment call. And ban. Like, but fans who follow the sport know it better than the people who don't. Um, yeah, it can be I'm hard sure on, on, a, on a long pass because it's when the ball's
0: played. So, you know, that's the thing. If the re- it depends where the referee is, and that's why it's good sometimes to have a flag guy on the side because they can see right where the kid is when the ball is kicked. It's not when the ball gets there. It's when the ball is kicked. So once it's kicked, you can run forward, but you can't be there no, But they usually call it when the ball is in the air, Yes, they, that's what I mean. They miscall it a lot. Like So you're saying – wait a minute. You're saying – it's when the ball is played. So if you're onside when the ball is played, you should be considered onside. But what's called a lot of the times is the ball is played, and they're just calling it if you're ahead of the ball. If you get ahead of the ball at all, mm-hmm. they call you for offside. But I, that's not the rule as I understand it. They, it's from when the ball is played. We can ask uh, Mark. Maybe he knows better than we do. He probably does know better <laughs> than, I, than we do. I would think he'd know better than me. For sure. <laughs> uh, what's the What was the second question there, Pete? And the second and final question, um,
2: what do you think, uh, what do you think, what teams do you think will uh, be a surprise this year? Similar, uh, and they give the specific example of Maloney last year in Class Al, the boys, uh, making that run as a lower seed. Is it just too early to tell? I mean, we're only, you know, two weeks in?
0: It's too early to look at lower seeds. I mean, I think we can look at teams that maybe are a little bit off people's radar. You know, like East Hartford, I think it's going to be a team that, you know, may not be one of the top teams you talk about at the CCC, but I think it's going to be there at the end of the year. I think Staples out of the FCAC is that way. You know, what teams in your area maybe aren't getting the, the hype, but you think could be pretty good, you know, come November?
1: Um... That's a good quote. Well, I think Guilford is a team, obviously, with experience coming back. I mean, people know well that Guilford's won so many state championships, but they haven't been good recently, and they're the only team in the SEC hasn't given up a goal. Um, I think it is too early to tell. There's a lot of balance. I mean, it's it's hard to judge off some of these early season games, and but I think it's we've seen it every year. You're going to get a lower seed that advances because not necessarily the best team always wins you get hot your defense plays well and, and the teams that give up a little amount of goals good or bad those are the ones that are going to make deep runs usually or can make deep runs because their defense is good enough to advance yeah i think when you may anyway what this is a hard question to answer
0: now because you really have to look at what teams are doing down the stretch and like you said that that goal differential is really important so when you look at lower seeds that could make runs it's usually the teams like you said that are very good defensively and haven't allowed, allowed a lot of goals cuz that's playoff soccer i mean you know you you see a lot of big scores sometimes early in the season that evaporates by the time the playoffs come especially late in the playoffs you you don't get you know 5 goals 6 goals in a game these are usually the two real, two the, three goal games the
1: really good teams will a glastonbury boys a glastonbury girls can advance of being like, like our friends I'll, I'll throw a team out there I mean Brantford. Yeah. Branford girls shut out Shelton 4 nothing. I, Shelton hasn't given up four goals since girls since Glastonbury in the 2016 tournament they lost 7 nothing. so a team like Branford, maybe who hasn't done anything since 2013 maybe a team like that but like you said when you're in the playoffs and the, it's zeros and or you're down one nothing and you're pressing it becomes harder and harder to score because you know your season is on the line and that's what you can't take into consideration until you get the postseason because you just react differently in the regular season. You lose, you lose, you tie, you tie. You go home. It's a different mentality for 16-, 17 year old kids. So that's a hard thing to judge. We'll have a better idea later in the year, I'm sure.
0: And you know, and coaches are a little less open in the in the playoffs. They just play tighter. They play more guys back. They're willing to score a goal and then try to sit on it. And yes, I think you see a lot more open play, especially early in the year with, with teams. That's why you see a lot a lot of scores that are. A little bit higher. Uh, speaking of scores, like I said, uh, Glastonbury just beat Avon 8-0. I think Avon's not a bad team. They beat Farmington 4-1. to mm-hmm. South Windsor 6 nothing. Berlin 6 nothing. These are good high school programs, and Glastonbury right now is handling all of them. Obviously a long way to go, but we are going to get into an interview with their coach, Mark Landers, right now and try to find out what makes Glastonbury so good. Uh, so without further ado, let's get to that interview. We are joined now by Glastonbury Boys Coach Mark Landers. Mark, uh, welcome to Just for Kicks.
2: Hey guys, thanks for having me. I uh, appreciate the uh, promotion of high school soccer. It's great.
0: Yeah, um, let me say something first. I was up at the Farmington game. That home crowd you have is fantastic. I mean, is that routine or was that bigger because it was Farmington? I mean, that, that's awesome soccer environment.
2: Um, you know, I, I think our you know our twelfth man and our kids, and uh, we, we had a pep rally this year for the first time, and. Um, a real long time, so I think it kind of promoted a lot of school spirit. I think it was the week before, and um, you know, playing on the turf for the first few times. So, you know, definitely having Farmington as a, as a as a game on a Friday afternoon at five o'clock definitely helps. So, um, yeah, it was a tremendous crowd and tremendous support from our students.
0: Yeah, I mean, you must see that that's not that doesn't happen everywhere. When you go on the road, there's probably not crowds like that. Uh, that that's a really unique situation. What do you, what do your kids think about being able to play in front of an actual soccer crowd?
2: Yeah, you know, it was just fantastic the way that the you know the Hartwell Youth Soccer Organization got behind us. Uh, they had you know little kids, eight, nine, ten, twelve years old there at the games, uh, all dressed up in their in their Glastonbury gear and uh, had a nice little tunnel for us coming out of our locker room and things like that. So you know, it really makes uh make, makes a high school student athlete feel special.
0: Did did most of your kids come through that? Uh, is is that the youth league in in Glastonbury? Is that where most of your kids uh, came up playing through too?
2: Uh, you know, I think uh, a lot of our guys start out with the Hartwell organization, no doubt about it. And um, you know, fort- unfortunately, this day and age, with all the different club avenues that uh, that one can find, um, there are many different pipelines that lead back to uh, to the school, but Hartwell being uh, definitely uh, primarily uh, one of them.
0: Are you guys tied in with them at all? Is there any continuity between what you're doing and what and what they do down at the youth
2: levels? Y- yeah, you know, no doubt we're trying to uh, you know try to bring up their, their young guys to do some boys at the games and stuff like that and um, you know definitely uh, promote soccer within the town which we think is so important um, and, and get the kids started and, and enjoying the game a lot
1: mark Landers the uh, coach of the two-time reigning double o, class double state champions with us on uh, just for kicks mark as we indicate you won five of the last six 2013 Sherwood Widgefield before that it was a, a drought if you want to call it that uh, when the last one was 2005. Being in a town like where soccer is a big deal, is it tougher to maintain that success, the five or six, or is it tougher to go through that drought for the natives getting restless? Or are they both difficult in their own circumstances?
2: Yeah, you know, I think when it comes to us, it's all about culture and consistency and um, and being able to do your job and, and play your part and uh, not really worry about any outside surroundings or anything that's going to influence you. Um you know, I'm only the fourth head coach in the history of the school, so um the culture was built by Coach Ken Mailer and you know, right now I've got a just an absolutely amazing coaching staff of Chris Bizzolo, Casey Warren, Freddie Escudero, Dan Schilke, Matt Needham, uh to provide some consistency there for the kids and uh you know, they just kinda come in and, and they put the cleats on and they know they gotta they gotta fill those roles of the guys that have left and gone to play on the college. They had a lot of alumni at the game the other day and you know, it's a, it's a special thing to be part of the program and part of the team. So, um, trying to do that from a player's perspective is just is just probably an awesome challenge and unique opportunity.
1: So, are the expectations great within the own program when you have that kind of success? Forgetting the uh, taking, putting aside the outside stuff.
2: Yeah, you know, um, there's no doubt. You know, the expectations are put on you, and you just got to kind of go out and and we just try to treat one day at a time and and try to make things um, better each day and, and really just try to, any mistakes that we made, get better for them and, and just kind of move on and move forward.
0: How do you avoid complacency? I mean, you win a state championship. Is it easier or harder to get your kids to commit in off season to to getting better?
2: No, I, uh, one addition that we had this year, which was really a great addition for us, was the addition, you know, I, believe it or not, Class Mary doesn't have a weight room. Um, it's off-site. It's at an elementary school. It's the first time we've ever had a Strength and conditioning coach at our school, uh, Coach Zach Bowling, and um, you know, right around I would say April or May, uh, our kids finally had the opportunity to go in the weight room and lift weights and uh, and work out. Um, granted, it had to be on their own because they had to get their own transportation there, but that definitely uh, started the process of of getting them working together as a group and and starting to lift some weights and and get after it. So that was a big a big plus. Um, that's something that we didn't have before, which is which has been a huge asset to us.
0: And then I would imagine that the kids coming up want to don't want to let the kids who came before them down, right? Is is that part of it too?
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, anything, you know, we've got a we've got a good solid returning group from last year, and you know, we look at us every year as a unique and special opportunity, just like everybody else does. You know, we're we're chasing the 2019 dream of. Of becoming a champion, and, and just like any other school, you know we don't really look in the mirror or look what we did last year or the year before that. Um, this is a new season, and, and for all these kids, you know we lose some guys to graduation that maybe were with us for a while, and we're going to miss those guys, no doubt. But it's it's time for the other guys to step in and do the job.
0: When you have guys that come into your program as freshmen, as they move through at, to seniors, what's the thing that you're trying to develop the most in these kids, uh, and, and going from year to year?
2: yeah you know I think with us it's it's a lot about being a good person. i mean we we talked about some things that we want to focus on obviously and tactically and tactically, but ultimately it's kind of being the best team that you can be. We're ultimately trying to build a family and move these guys on to the next level and make them better better men for school and college and people want to become fathers and have their own family and and whatever they might do within the community or without outside the community. um you know and that takes a lot of work you know we 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 want to be respectful to others. we want to be good sportsmen on the field we want to uh, be the best brothers that we can be to each other. And, you know, that's a, that's a process that takes a a good deal amount of time, but that's also a process that um, the guys returning have learned from the guys that have left.
0: Do they do stuff off the field to to promote that?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I just think sometimes it's just, you know, talking about it within, within your own locker room and, and uh, talking about some various things that might happen within the news or anywhere else. Um, and just, you know, getting together. These guys have pop the parties every Sunday night. Um, and that's a great opportunity for them to to join together. Not only do they just show up and eat food, but they'll be playing some some FIFA or any other video game that might be out there or on Sundays they're watching NFL football or they might be watching Premier League games and stuff like that. And it's a great opportunity for them to hang out. I know they get together and hang out for probably a good couple of hours. Uh ping pong basketball, when I left the other day. I stopped in to grab a plate of food and they were already off and running and doing something else together. So I think a lot of that promotes um, the team chemistry and family and, and, and being good people.
0: And do your seniors, do you have to talk to them before the year starts about bringing along freshman, sophomores, or is that something they just naturally pick up uh, going through the program?
2: Yeah, you know, uh, this year is, is, uh, is a little bit unique for us. We don't have uh, any designated captains this year. It's kind of leadership by committee with our senior class and our coaching staff. Um, we're going by the philosophy that, uh, as Coach Vizzolo always says, many hands make light work. And uh, we're trying to be a little bit more invested maybe in the underclassmen, like you said. Maybe that, that takes longer to develop throughout the year as you're trying to get to know some new guys and um, some freshmen and some sophomores and even some juniors that weren't on the team last year. I think we have you know, maybe 12 new guys to the team this year. So um, I think that definitely helps because we're trying to all – be better leaders and and better people to each other so um it's kind of a, a rare thing i don't remember a year that we didn't have captains but at the same time it gives everybody an opportunity to be a leader
1: mark landers from glastonbury joining us on the weekly podcast um the ccc doesn't have a league tournament i'm curious as to have there ever been consideration for one and if so or if not the benefits of not having one being fresh for the state tournament mark
2: Sure, um, I was actually on that committee when we did have it, um, and I was a huge promoter uh, for it. To be honest with you, um, I just thought it gave us a, a unique opportunity to promote uh, high school soccer and and uh, promote the kids within the league. And um, so, from that standpoint, it was great for the game of high school soccer. But to be honest with you, our conference is is so large um, with thirty two teams that it's really difficult to try to keep that tournament running, especially when you know there were only eight teams that would get into the tournament and then we had a good solid other 12 or 14 others that might be going on to the state tournament that had a 10-day layoff before they were going to play and we both um had participated in the tournament when we were there for four years um i remember ram knocked us out one year in the quarterfinal and to be honest it was be the best thing that happened to us that year because we had seven or eight guys that were hurt so it allowed us to gain that time to get some rest and get better for the state tournament and you know i think we went to the finals twice and we, and we lost both times so heartbreaking games um but it was a unique experience it was exciting but um you know there's definitely an argument on both sides as to why to have it and why not to have it and then you know you eliminate some right now so you're playing as opposed so um you know it's, it's not like we have missed it but in terms of promoting doing the soccer um it was an excellent event there was no doubt about that
1: mark what years if you recall that you guys had it and as you mentioned, is it even close to even being discussed to bring it back? I mean, do coaches want it or not want it, or is there just a big group of them that say, "Look, it's just it's too hard to, to try to bring back"?
2: Yeah, it, it's it's definitely a difficult process, so, and and only because of the size of the divisions, and then it, you know become who who would be you know the 18s, How would you qualify? Would it be the top two from each division? And then you know there are always the arguments of, "Well, this division stronger than the other," and that you know and So it became difficult to try. The selection part was difficult. Uh, The seeding part was difficult. Um, And then ultimately you're you're asking to try to find places, to host the semifinals and finals. And I want to say, trying to think, around 13 or 14, it went out maybe one of those years, I think. Um, I remember we lost to Weathersfield I think, in overtime of one of those games. um, And that was one of the last ones that we had. Um, I remember Maloney uh, won one year. That might have been the last year that that we had it, and, um, you know, it was great. But at the same point, you know, you, you just have so many teams that aren't doing anything, and, and, and you know, what do you do with that layoff, and how do you do that? Do you, do you schedule games for those guys? And, you know, it, beca- it became a really difficult situation to try to organize and, and keep afloat.
0: <clears throat> so if you guys got rid of it in 13, since then, uh, a lot of CCC teams have made finals. I mean, you is, there there is a correlation then that, that you're not having to go through and play high-pressure, games in a conference tournament that's got to make you more fresh when you when you get into the tournament have, have you found that then since then I mean, you've had so many teams from your conference in finals uh, since since
2: 2014 well um I, you know I, I I know the two years that we went to the uh, CCC finals I think we went on to go to the state finals yeah. um, so I you know I, I remember just... You know, one of the one of the losses in the finals was the one I remember. It was just a really, really difficult loss for us. It was, you know, it was a rivalry game. It was, it was everything, and had everything you wanted in it, and and we lost it. And um, I remember just leaving Middletown that night. You know, the hardest part at that point in time was you're right. You know, it was like Thursday or Friday. The first game was going to be Monday, but you know what? When we got on that bus, it was great because you could just say like, this game really doesn't matter. Like, it was hard to tell the kids that, but in yeah. the reality of things, it didn't. When we got home, we could turn the page and move on to something else, and and then we navigated our way through the Class Double L tournament. So, um, you know, I think kids are going to be kids. They're 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 resilient. Um, they can play. Um, I don't think the, the the conference tournament really weighed in as the success factor or lack thereof in in, Nove- in November with the rest of the tournament.
0: Uh, but, uh, kids do. Uh, the season takes a physical toll on these kids, even though they are kids. Uh... What, what is the thing that you're dealing with the most at the end of the season when you're trying to get guys, you know, fresh and ready to go, uh, whether you have a conference tournament or if it's just states?
2: What are you dealing with at the end of the year the most? You know, to be honest with you, we, uh, depending on the time frame of what we have and when our first game is going to be, um, there's, a, there's a lot of work that gets put in. It's almost like a brand-new season when we, you know, start over for the state tournament. It's almost like tryouts again day one. It's a, You know, it's – it's longer sessions, it's longer preparation, and it's equal the amount of fitness and hard work because it's going to take um, that mentally to get through and navigate through a five-game class <laughs> double L state tournament and you're not going to have any days of which you can just relax and um, just be able to take a day off. So, you know, when the regular season ends, if it's on a Monday or Tuesday and we don't play until the following week, we probably do take maybe two days off. Um, just to kind of just get away from the game, get away from the field, get away from each other. And then when we come back, it, we know that that's that's preparation time to get ready for what's a difficult mountain to climb.
0: So you're almost going back to preseason training in terms of conditioning at that point?
2: Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, there's, there's some definitely challenging first couple practice sessions and days in there that, are, that can be, you know, gut-wrenching at times, you know, but you're also four or three days away from playing. So – um, you know, it's just—it's more of a mindset. It's more of a—you uh, know—bring your lunch pail to work, um, type of environment, and, and get ready to go. You know, you got to really begin and, and be invested and be fully committed together as a group as to what you want to go try to accomplish.
0: Uh, we've talked about how big the CCC is, but the top of that conference is so strong at soccer. What is it about that region where soccer is just is embraced up there and has been so good for so long? I mean, it's not a—this is not a brief thing. This—this this is going on as long as I can remember. Uh, what is it about that area, you know?
2: Yeah, I, you know, I just think, again, you know, um, I know Coach Water was just retired at his and got a great really coach, Nick Mormon, coming in, who's been part of that staff uh, for a while. So then, again, you know, you have a long-standing coach that's been there for uh, a lot of years, as you do with, you know, Zeke Seguro at Hall. He's been there a, a really long time. And then, um, you know, you can just go down the line with all of the schools in terms of how their coaches have been there or have at least been part of maybe some other staffs um in the past so you have some continuity and some consistency and and some breeding culture of of many different programs like you know east Hartford has been great the last few years and paul's always been consistently good and south windsor's been good with pete lee pack so so it's like you know the coaches in the conference uh you respect every single one of them because of the time and effort and, and commitment they give to their programs and making them the best that they can be
0: uh, Mark, we want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us this morning, and uh, we wish you the best of luck, and, and I'm sure we will be seeing you back on the field uh, really soon.
2: Great. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much, and you guys have a, have a great fall.
0: All right. Thank you, too. <laughs> All right. We want to thank uh, Glastonbury coach Mark Landers uh, for coming on. It's hard to sustain that success that they've had up there. Uh, again, having four coaches in the entire history of the program helps with that kind of stuff. So thanks for Mark Landers for coming on. Uh, we want to remind you once again to send us any questions you have to our uh, mailbag. The link for that will be in the story and then as always go on to iTunes find Game Time CT find just for kicks subscribe rate review uh, for Joe I'm Scott. We will see you next week on just for Kick.